comments. Those that are just tuning in here, looking at the, uh, the uh, video, I guess it is. Nice to see you. Well, I can't see you, but it's nice to have you. And uh, turning to uh, Hebrews chapter 13, last chapter, we're going to have a look at this and see some things in here for us. And uh, we're going to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless now. We'll just do that right now. Father, again, we give thanks, Lord. We thank you for this time as we can look into the Bible. We come to the, to the conclusion of this book, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the depths of it and the simplicity, Lord. And we just pray that you'll help us now to understand these things we look at today. And Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and help us. And we thank you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, um, back up a little bit. So we're coming to the end of this. It was uh, written to, we know that the book of Hebrews is written to obviously the Hebrews, but there were um, two groups of them as the Spirit of God looks upon them and he could see some that had uh, perhaps an evil heart of unbelief and they were thinking of departing from what they had seen, what they had learned, what they had been shown by the Spirit of God. Now, uh, illumination and enlightenment is not salvation. You're not saved by the knowledge of anything. You're saved by believing with all of your heart in Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, and the cross of Calvary for you, for your sins, and uh, died on the cross, was buried and rose again on the third day. And whoever would accept Him as Savior, believe in Him, put their faith in Him, put their trust in Him, they'd be what? Saved from all their sins, be made a child of God, and God would declare you to be righteous and justified of all things. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Wow, that's an amazing, amazing thing. And uh, he did it all for us. So we come to this, there's been some tremendous, tremendous and deep things going on through the book of Hebrews, all the way up through. Now we come to the conclusion here. Um, he's not going to put out any more uh, um, exhortations and such like that, but there's some admonitions here, and I guess you could say there's exhortations in here. But there's all kinds of divers and different things he's going to talk about, like... I just marked down in the, in the um, what do you call that, the margin there, one, two, three, four, five, six different topics in eight verses, uh, okay? And uh, they're all linked, they're all linked to the Lord Jesus, but these are just different, and they're not necessarily random things, but as we'll see, we'll get going here. Uh, I just have to get this stuff out of the way, so I'm going to get that in there, all right, and that goes there. So... Um, now, we know it's written to, and it's written, we, we, we seem to focus on those that were in danger of going away, okay? Those that were in danger of giving up and going back, eh? We're focusing on that, but there's a, a lot of others that it's addressed to, as we see here, and he talks about uh, brethren and so on and so forth. Uh, there's those that are uh, um, the, the born-again believers in the midst here, and he's addressing them as well. So when we go through the book of Hebrews, you've got to uh, keep that in mind that there's those two, to the believing Hebrews as well as the potential um, apostates. So we have here some friendly reproofs, we have warnings, we have counselings, and counselings against uh, faults and oversights and so on and so forth. So let's just get right into it here and have a look. So we see in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. That's the verse. We'll take that. There's a topic for us. Okay? There's a thing, one of the things that the Spirit of God is he's concluding up, concluding this uh, talk on, on uh, the Savior, on Jesus Christ, and how he's the, um, 
our high priest and, and, and all these things that, that are in here. These are some of the things that he just wants to bring out at the end. Let brotherly love continue. Now let's just stop and think about that for a minute. There's a couple of things. First of all, we're going to look at that word continue. And we'll just uh, uh, consider that for a moment. Now that word continue there simply means to remain, doesn't it? To keep doing some particular thing. To remain in something. Now it's interesting as I looked up this word. Um, there was this, uh, the use of this verb suggests that the bond had been in danger of being severed. Okay, So in the language here, in the use of certain words, you can see by the definitions and such, even in that, that word continue, there was a problem. And the problem was that some were in danger of just giving up and going back to Judaism. Okay, They had been in, amongst the believers for a time. They had believed and uh, um, they were in danger of going away. As that one word even tells us. But they're not only in danger of uh, leaving the Lord, let me just consider this for a minute, but also they're in danger of leaving the Christian brotherhood, put it that way, okay? In all things, Christian. Stop and think about it. People often don't consider that other people are left behind when they walk away. They go and leave other people. One of the most encouraging things for a Christian is to see somebody get saved, to see somebody going on with the Lord, somebody continuing. Amen? Amen? And one of the most discouraging things is when somebody gives up and goes away. And yet people don't consider that when they, they give up, they walk away, or they uh, don't come out to church anymore, or whatever, you know. Uh, they're leaving other people behind. They leave others behind when they stop going on with the Lord. Um, friendships are lost are broken leaving others to shoulder the burden of uh, say the church work for instance you have a missions program and people walk away leaving the weight and brunt of the thing on the rest that remain there and in a smaller church, smaller assembly it's going to be felt even uh, uh, sharper than it would be if it was in a larger one. But we see here uh, the word continue. The Lord wants us to continue. In fact, you read through it, you read in the Bible in the New Testament uh, several times you see, if ye continue. That has to do with the things in Hebrew here, Hebrews here because that's one of the things that shows or proves, is that the right way to say that? Not necessarily, but you know what I mean. That someone really is a, a Christian going on and they're still going on. And no matter what, they're still going on with the Lord Jesus. It says in the first John, they went out from us because they were not of us. Okay. So we see that here. When we think about, uh, he says, let brotherly love continue. It doesn't continue if you walk away. You need to keep going. You need to keep motoring on. You need to keep uh, going on with Jesus. You need to keep doing the things that you need to do and you're supposed to do. You need to keep reading your Bible and you need to be praying, okay? Don't let anybody or anything stop you from that. Because if that takes place, you will find that things will not continue, okay? Very important right there. We could spend all day on that one word right there. If you don't get anything else out of this, get that one out of it. Just get that word continue to remain. And think about the leaving the Lord, but not just the Lord. How about his people? It hurts when people walk away and such, when people... Uh, 
um, have a grudge or whatever. I know we all have bad days and things like that, but we should do our best not to bring it into the presence of, other, of God's people. Do you ever feel that sometimes when somebody's uh, off a bit and you wonder, I think, oh boy, what did I do now? Did I say something? Did anybody else ever feel like that? Okay. It's not a nice feeling. I, I don't know about, about you, but I say dumb things all the time. And I hope, you know, I should have said that. You know what I mean? Does anybody else? Put your hand up. Please help me. Oh, good. I'm not alone here. <laughs> all right. But you know what I mean here. Continuance. Uh, don't hold grudges. Don't act unfriendly. It hurts others. Okay, we're getting off on the, on the topic here, but, but we're not. So let's look at the other bit of that verse here. He says, let brotherly love continue. That word let means that there's a responsibility of the hearer, okay, of the Hebrews, and not just the Hebrews. How about us here today? Mm. Way up here, um, a couple thousand years ahead in time. Let. It's up to you and me to let that thing be as it's supposed to be. If it goes otherwise, that's our fault, that's our responsibility. We are to let brotherly love continue. Make sure it does not stop. We, we saw earlier, I think it was chapter 12, um, he says to follow peace and holiness. Remember that? And that word follow meant to pursue. That's letting. Okay. But let brotherly love continue. We want to look at um, uh, that word love right there for just a minute. Okay. Now, you know, I like to study the uh, words and such. I, uh, I use a uh, received text, uh, Greek Bible, with the, uh, um, the English translation there and all that. Apparently the same one that the translators used years ago, okay? And you can go to the store and buy one, okay? It's important to look at the words. And this word love is one of the words that shows us the need for, uh, for that. Here you see the two words, brotherly love, is one word as the Spirit of God gave it. It's the word we would have in our English, Philadelphia. Philodelphus. Philo being love, and Delphi meaning the uh, brethren or brothers or kin, kin folks. We're going to look at that just for a minute here. Um, the kinsmen. Now, oft times we talk about when we see the word love, oft times it's mostly used, it seems, that's just my thought anyway, it seems that it's that one there, for God so loved the world, is that word agape. Okay? It's a different word. This is why it's important to study it out and look at it. There's different words here that the Spirit of God might use. So this one, uh, phileo, okay, let me just look at the definition of the two for a minute. Um, agape, we know that that's love that values, love that esteems. Um, it's an unselfish love. It's ready to serve. A self-sacrificing love, like God so loved the world that He gave. You see, He gave. That's what that love does. It's self-sacrificing for someone else. You see. Now, phileo um, is a different word. Is that is that word right here? Brotherly love. Uh, it's a different word. It means and represents a kind of an affection, maybe a tender affection but it cherishes the object above all else, okay? Now we think of this for a minute. Um, uh, I, was just, uh, I was thinking of these things. I wrote it down. I don't know where I put it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yes. In John chapter 20, 21. Where did I put that anyways? I don't know. 
I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. Anybody else do that? Okay. In John chapter 21, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples. Now, remember Peter denied him, and then the Lord uh, appeared at the, he was at, at the fire there on the shore, and they were out in the boat, and Peter jumped off, and they swam to the shore, and all this stuff. And, and the Lord says to, to Peter, says three times, he says, Peter, lovest thou me? We have it in the Bible, and Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. You got the two different words. Jesus says, first of all, Peter, lovest thou me? Agape. Would you sac uh, do you have a self-sacrificing love for me, Peter? Do you, Peter, do you have a, um, a, a love that values and esteems me and you would sacrifice your whole life for me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. He doesn't use the word agape. He uses, uses the word phileo. Okay? Which means, Lord, you know that I cherish you above all else. And Jesus says it again. Peter says the same thing. And then Jesus uses the word, as we have here, the phileo. Peter, the phileo, you love me, you cherish me. And Peter was grieved with this, the Lord says. He recognized that. There was a problem there. Peter was having a problem. But just to show the difference, also you read in the Bible, it said, uh, there's a portion there that talks about husbands love your wives. That's that agape love, right there. Agape means to value or esteem and to have a self-sacrificing attitude, okay? And it tells us in another portion that uh, uh, wives love your husbands, but a different word is used. Phileo is used, means to cherish above all things. Okay, that's the word here. Let brotherly love, to cherish the other believers, to have this brotherly love. Do you remember earlier on we talked about um, we talked about uh, brotherly love. Uh, um, I forgot where I was going there. I've got so many things I'm trying to remember here. Um, excuse me, one minute. One minute. Uh, I forget where I was talking about. I don't know where I went with that. Anyways, I was looking this morning and reading, and a couple of things came out as other will come to me. Um, in um, verse 5, we have the word covetousness there. Now, we often think of the word covetousness, and this is just to show that it's important for us to study other words. The word covetousness, uh, we understand it to be, you know, a lusting and longing and desiring for something. But there's about nine different words that could be. This particular word is aphiliguria, where we have that philo, a phileo, love to cherish something. It means no love of silver, not to have the love of money. That right there in verse 5, let your conversation be with out covetousness. Covetousness doesn't necessarily mean that lusting for everything. It's about chasing after money. Okay? And we'll get to that later. We see that word phileo used again. We read another time, um, we read in Hebrews that, uh, remember the three things that accompany salvation? Faith in Christ, love for the brethren, and the hope of heaven. Love for the brethren. Again, the phileo, that cherishing, that thing, uh, um, Company salvation. When a person gets saved, you will find in your heart that you have a strong attachment towards the believers. You want to be with them. There can be times, though, when we go like this and we butt heads. And there's a potential for problems to arise as far as, uh, uh, you know, grudges and things like that. But we are to have this attitude towards each other that we cherish 
that other person very, very highly. The Lord says, don't forget, that is one of the things that accompanies salvation. If a person finds themselves that they just can't get along with, can't stand being with God's people, there may be something else wrong a little deeper. But anyways, so we see this uh, word here, let brotherly love continue, and it goes on. There's so many things for us to, uh, to look at here, but I think we'll, we'll carry on. We already uh, covered, uh, covered some of it. The one point, I couldn't remember what it was, but anyways. But uh, the point being, let brotherly love continue. We have a responsibility, brotherly love, to cherish one another, to not let anything get in the way of that. Don't let differences and so on and so forth. We've all got differences, eh? We've all got differences. Don't let that come in and color your um, response or attitude towards another believer. Okay? Let's go on. And he says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I remember we were down in um, Bible school, and I had an opportunity to preach at a church in Maine. I think it was Westfield, Maine. I think it was, I forget the name. Anyways, they were having some troubles there. I could see there was something going on there, and we stayed uh, at the... Um, and did the morning and then we were supposed to do the evening so we went for lunch in the afternoon to this couple's house and I mentioned to them the guy was a deacon and I said did you, you, you got some problems here and I forget what it was but I mentioned this this and this he looks at me and he says are you an angel <laughs> that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me <laughs> but the point being is that uh, we've entertained angels unawares maybe you have maybe I have I've got stories about that. You probably have some, but we're not going to do that right now. We've done that. He says, "Do not forgetful to entertain strangers." Now, back in the Jewish economy, in that in the in the Jewish home, people would come by often. Like today, we have we jump in our car and we go as far as you want until you need gas, you know. And you're not uh, you're only dependent upon the gas station being open. That's about it. Back in those days, people walked generally from place to place from place to place, and you had a stranger coming along, and you would take them in, let them get refreshed, you know, wash their feet, give them something to eat and drink. That was a custom. That's what they did. They, they did those things. And that's a lesson for us, eh? Today, we're, we, how many pick up hitchhikers? How many used to pick up hitchhikers? Oh, and you know today? Because there's a problem in society and we're kind of leery of strangers, eh? And rightfully so. We won't need to go into that anymore. But there's a thing here, he says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I probably told you the story. I'll tell you anyways. I'm working in it. Um, I was outside fixing a car under the hood there and doing some stuff out in the parking lot. And uh, I come up and do something and look around. There's a young guy standing there. A clean looking fellow. Looked his clothes didn't look grubby or anything, but uh, you could tell that uh, uh, something was different about him. And he asked me, he said, uh, if, if he could get, uh, if I could give him, uh, um, no, wait a minute, I'm getting all mixed up. He says to me, Jesus loves you, you know. I said, yeah, I know. You know, people say that when they're unsaved, eh? 
And they may realize or think it, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I felt sorry for them, and I, I took hold my wallet, and I had a five and a two, and I wished I'd give them the five. I'd give them the two. Back in those days, you go across um, the parking lot was Kentucky Fried Chickens, and you can get yourself something to eat. He looked like he was just, you know, traveling through. And thank you, and all that. And uh, so I went back to do something, and immediately up and went to say something. Well, where'd he go? I look across, he didn't have time to go across the lot. Where did he go? I didn't understand it at that time, but when I got saved, so I read the Bible and I found, oh, maybe that was an angel. Do you think it was an angel from God that sent to tell me that Jesus loves me? You think? I think it is. I think it was. You may just think, oh, it's just a silly, because it's just old guys just making things up, <clears throat> not making anything up. But be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Now we have that word there. Um, Entertain means, and there we have that word philo again, that to, uh, to cherish, to look after them, guests, strangers, and so, so on. Thereby some have entertained the uh, hospitality. Angels are messengers from, uh, uh, from the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now remember them that are in bonds. There's another topic he mentions. You go from one topic to another. Are they, are they all separate and random? They aren't in the sense that you can link all these things to brotherly love, strangers, those that are in prisons. You look after them or remember them. This is the heart he's talking about. Remember the problem with the Hebrews and some of them was that the head. They had knowledge here, but it wasn't here. Okay? So he's going on and he's showing us this is a heart problem. This is what Christians do. This is how Christians are. Okay? Brotherly love. Strangers entertain. I remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. People in jails and such like that. We were in Bible school. We would go to um, cross into Maine and uh, go to the uh, jail there. I forget how often it was. Once a month or whatever. <clears throat> I've told you the story about I'll never forget it. Impressed upon me. We used to sing songs for them and their guitars and we play and play saw and they just loved it in the Bible study and all that. I remember the one big guy, I've told you the story, just pretend you haven't heard it. He was a big dude, you know, big, big beard, nothing against beards, okay? <laughs> big guy. And he was in there for murder. He killed somebody. They go over, we're shaking hands, we leave him. Like, <laughs> like this. This big, big guy, my hand just swallowed up in this huge, big mitt of a hand. And he thanked us for being there. And he says, I know what I did was wrong. He got saved, you see, about a month before or something. Mm -hmm. Trusted in Jesus Christ. God forgave him of his sin of murder. Okay? He was a murderer. He says, I know what I did wrong. And I'll spend like 25 years or whatever it was uh, in prison. And God forgave him because Jesus Christ paid for that sin. He had to suffer the consequences, though. They didn't let him out. Oh, you're saying, okay, hey, where you go. <laughs> consequences. People forget about consequences, okay? Remember them that are in bonds is bound with them, and them which suffer adversity. That word adversity there is the idea of being evil treated. People are being evil treated today. We won't get into that as being yourselves also in the body. But look, look what it says there. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. Okay? Put yourself in his shoes, okay? Put yourself in his shoes. Then he goes on to say, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, 
but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now, marriage in itself, he's saying anything, any relationship between a man and a woman outside of marriage is fornication or adultery. In fact, that word whoremongers there has the same root as fornication or fornicators, okay? And adulterers. Talk to the one, and society today does not think it's a problem. And that's part of the evolutionary process where one of the things they, they think that, okay, we need to just multiply then. You know, that's, this is a good thing. We'll just, we'll just do this. We'll just fornicate all over the place. God says, no, 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 no. Oh, a man and a woman in marriage, okay? And that's their business what takes place. Outside is fornication. And you watch, and you be careful what you watch. Um, on movies and shows, you know, it's, and the world is just filled with that. Mm -hmm. Okay? Just filled with it. They don't see anything wrong with it. What does God see? Mm. He sees severe, severe sins, and people aren't being told, I guess, and people don't know, and they don't care. People don't care. Okay? They need to get saved. They can see and understand where, where they're going. But look at the topics, okay? This is a matter of the heart again. Remember talking to that one fellow a little while ago. Okay, uh, so when did you get married? Well, my my father and his wife. We have a we have an understanding, and, and we blah 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 blah. But when did you get married? Well, I guess you didn't, huh? You didn't get married. Okay, and then it all unraveled at that point, didn't it? Marriage is honorable. Okay. You, it's interesting to note today, remember we um, asked how many pick up hitchhikers? We don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Because things are changing. Society's changing. People's changing. The world's changing. And the attitudes towards things and people and such is changing too. Marriage isn't thought of as much of anything, is it? God said it's very important. It's the, it's, it's the fabric of all of society, isn't it? It is. And a nation that forgets God, forgets God's precepts and such, which marriage is, a very important thing, a very basic, very fundamental, very sound and strong thing. The Bible says the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. Does it mean they'll end up there, or does it mean that they will turn into like a living hell? I don't know, have a look at it. And let your conversation be without covetous. Now, I already mentioned that. Your conversation... And that doesn't mean your words that you speak. It means your manner of life. Okay? Your conduct. Let your conduct be without covetousness. So we have that one word there for without covetousness, which literally means um, no love of silver, no love of money. And that's another thing we see today in our societies around about us, is that money is everything. Money rules, eh? The God that you can count for the world, eh? And we have to be careful as Christians that we don't let those things get, uh, and I call it, they have a hook to them. Like you go fishing, eh? You ever try fishing without a hook? Uh, this year I thought, well this year I'm going to try fishing with the lure, take the hooks off the lures. Just, just for fun. Just see how long they hang on to them, you know? Do you want to catch them? you got to have a hook. Money's got a hook to it. Yeah. The Bible warns us about that. What does it say in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10? The love of money is the root of all evil. Does it say that? It does. The love of money okay, is the root of all evil. So he says, let your life be without the love of money. Some people live for that and don't understand. 
And Christians too, they get caught up. This means this is the, the big thing. It's not. We pop off and we die. We get to carry it all with us? No. You don't see any U-Hauls behind hearses, do you? You don't see it. And everything that we own is going to be somebody else's. It just doesn't matter. Our attitude towards money, that it's not wrong to have. It's handy to have money sometimes. But the attitude towards it. If someone depends and looks to the Lord for everything, take George Mueller as that example of that extreme example, which shouldn't be an extreme example, should be the example of every one of us. He never asked of any person for anything. He's looking after at one time about 2,200 orphans. Never asked for any supplies for food, for clothing, or nothing. He says, why would I ask of a man when I can go to the door of God? Okay? And he says, I did this to show you, to show all believers that you can trust in God, that you can live by looking towards Him. We don't have to pile things up. We don't have to pile up money and, oh boy, look what I got. It's the attitude, isn't it? But let your conversation, your manner of life be without the love of money. And be content. That means to be satisfied. Content with such things. Content with your circumstances. Content with where you're at. What you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Because... Does the Bible talk about money flies away? It's like has wings and it's gone. You find that, eh? It just goes. You can't depend on that. Why are we so, so looking towards that stuff? But Jesus said, I'm going to be with you forever. To the believer, you get saved, you're born again. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8 and 9, I think it is. The Spirit of Jesus Christ will live right inside here, the Holy Spirit. And He's going to be with you forever. You're not going to go anywhere separate from Him. When you die, your spirit's going to go and be with the Lord in heaven. You'll always be with Him. He says, I will never leave you. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, I am in there. Okay? I will never leave you. So the focus is on Jesus Christ, not our possessions. That's a tough one in this society today, this materialistic society where you, you need stuff to live. I mean, we, even, we need a car to get around, basically. You know, it's a big country. We need stuff. But let your focus be on Jesus Christ. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We have fears. We have the fear of man that stops us from witnessing. We have the fear of man that stops us from being ourselves. We have the fear of what man can do to us. There's all kinds of fears today and people are afraid of all kinds of things today. Afraid of dying. Afraid of sickness. And then, you know, it's not something we, we pray for. I mean, I don't want to go yet. I want to hang around for a while. It'd be nice to live. It'd be nice to have another hundred years. Yeah. How many think that? I'll take a hundred years. Sure, that'd be great. I like that. Probably not. Within 10 years, probably going to be all done. Okay? All done. We should not fear. We should not fear anything. Because we talked earlier, I think it was the book of Hebrews too, that uh, fear is the exact opposite of faith. 
Mm. You cannot have the two. Faith is the exact opposite of fear. Faith in God. Faith in Christ. Faith in the Spirit of God. Faith in the Word of God. Faith in our Savior. We were talking earlier about the power of God and the, the, the Bible's being preserved in, in these cataclysmic uh, times and stuff like that where the tornado goes through and yet the Bibles are still sitting there. That's our God looking after that stuff. He can look after us too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sure he can. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. A lot of people get that mixed up. Say, no, I got my wallet. That's my helper. No, it's not your helper. God gives us stuff so we can help other people. Anyways, we have to stop there. But as we finish this up, uh, it'll probably take a couple weeks to go through this. Remember, in chapter 13, various topics, and it looks like they're all random, but if we find a common thing about them, it seems to be things of the heart. And that's what the whole thing was about anyways. It was about the heart versus the head. The knowledge of Christ or believing in your heart. Okay? So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Then one fellow at Bible school, one of my teachers, would say, and it's kind of funny, but it's true, he says, cheer up. You'll soon be dead. <laughs> That's awful, eh? Isn't that awful? But just stop and think about it. Just stop and think about it. If we drop dead today, where are you going to be, Christian? You drop dead, you're not going to make it out of this room today. Oh, I don't want, I'm not saying that. What, you know, maybe, maybe me. Okay, we'll take pick on me. Be right in the presence of God Almighty. Is there anything better? No, there isn't. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, you need to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and thank you for this time and look into your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, we just run through these things. We just pray you'd help us to go back and study them and look at them closely, Lord, and familiarize ourselves with all of your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for yourself, Father, Jesus Christ, for your sacrifice, for yourself, rising from the dead and now praying for us at the right hand of the Father and the Spirit of God indwelling us. Lord, we are blessed and in all eternity to spend with you. Lord, help us while we're here to live for you, to show you in our lives, Lord, to others. And Lord, we just thank you for your grace now. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming out, and thanks for watching, folks, and see you next time, okay? Thank you.